This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, fast food burgers rarely look like real life. What they do in the picture. So what the heck's going on? Well, there's some lawsuits about it. Harvard Law School lecturer Louis Tompros helps us understand how Wendy's and McDonald's defeated a lawsuit alleging their food doesn't come out as advertised. Plus, he helps us understand how fast food companies get away with some of their advertising practices. What is your super secret fast food order, by the way? We have some great messages from the Shifthead community sending in their custom orders. And uh, what are some of the most iconic fast food ads and orders in history? Are you okay with the drive-thru? What about dress codes? And Handy Andy Barrar's here, too, talking about junk drawers and kitchens. It's a big, busy podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. There was a lawsuit that happened. We chatted about it with Sylvain Charlebois about um, the shrinkflation is basically what we called it, this shrinking food thing. Now, grocery stores, restaurants have been under the microscope of false advertising forever. Everything from there's no way your burger looks that good. Don't put it in the photo when it doesn't even look like that when it comes out to are you sure you're serving the same portions as your photos say? Now that's everybody, that's not just inflation and and cost of living that we're going through right now all around the world. That is just customer service. And sometimes those burgers look really, really great in the photo, but then you get it on your plate and you're like, what is that? <laughs> it's incredible. So we are, because this is an American lawsuit, we're going down to Merca uh, to have a conversation. Louis Tompros, he's with Harvard. He's a lecturer on law at Harvard uh, Law School, practicing lawyer as well, and uh, enjoys us now. Louis, thanks, thanks for jumping in here. This is curious to me. Great to be here. Happy to talk about it. Yeah. So, okay. The, the basics of it, uh, McDonald's and Wendy's won their lawsuits over the size of their burgers. We'll get to that. This is a ongoing conversation I think where consumers feel screwed over a lot because this false advertising piece of size quality look what's on it this has been ongoing for a long time and I don't understand how they won to be honest yeah it's interesting there there are a whole bunch of these lawsuits that are at different stages and honestly with different results in the U.S. right now McDonald's uh prevail uh, Burger King actually lost an attempt to dismiss a very similar lawsuit in Florida filed by the same firm. Uh, and then, you know, Starbucks is under fire for this, for what they're saying is in their drinks. And and likewise, th- that lost an attempt to, to dismiss it. So it, it is interesting that, you know, the big picture issue in these cases um, tends to be about the line between what you can advertise as a fact and what you can just sort of advertise to make something look more ap- more appealing and more appetizing. Uh, and customers are getting screwed when they're being told that their their food has something in it that it doesn't actually have in it. But uh, but they're also uh, there are also parts of these cases that are all about uh, customers trying to make claims about things that are kind of just esoteric. This looks, my food wasn't as appetizing. And those kind of claims usually can't go forward. So it's it's a really interesting uh, interesting time. And there's just been a flurry of these in the last few years in the United States. Well, it seems to be uh, everybody's trying to market their way to you know success. Of course, I'm a capitalist. I love making money, but I just yeah. sort of subscribe to the notion that we can actually make money and still put our head down at sleep at night, knowing that we set our clients off on a better course than they arrived in. I, I just I, I think that there's a bit of a compass thing there that I wish more people subscribed to. But we were talking about so what's in food? I mean. 
that's a whole thing. I think we could probably set that one aside for the this conversation. We can talk about another day. But you've got restaurants that are saying it's Wagyu beef, but it's like 10% right. because it's the most expensive beef on the planet. <laughs> uh, how can you get that for, um, you know, for $3.99 on special with free cheese? Um, cheese, there's another one. Not really cheese. So in America, the food rules are a little bit different than they are in Canada too. So that one is, uh, has been going on forever. Is it actually tuna? You know, we've seen the, these ones go on and on and on, but the photos, and I'm going to, yeah. uh, one of the things I subscribe to is uh, change the topic, change the clarity. So cars, we see in car commercials, US model shown, uh, not exactly as shown or demo model shown. I mean, so there's a small disclaimer on there that says, by the way, when you go buy this pretty car, it might not even come with wheels, who knows. But that little disclaimer though, sure, in legalese gets uh, a lot of companies off the hook, but a lot of people are really let down by that. And I don't see really those same disclaimers, at least I haven't recognized them, inside burger commercials saying, by the way, your burger is not gonna be this big. Yeah, no, you've got it exactly right. It, I think with the what the what the fast food companies are being very careful about is anytime they make a statement about weight of meat or uh, or even just sort of volume of meat, they're very careful to make sure that they make that very clear and stick to that. And in fact, all the cases against the fast food companies, they're not alleging that you know, that, that McDonald's said it was a quarter pounder and it wasn't a quarter pound. What they're alleging instead is that they saw the advertisement or they went into the store and saw the picture and they looked at the picture and the amount of meat relative to everything else in the picture looked like it was a lot more meat. And that that's what makes it makes it kind of hard, right? It, so we're not in the not in the world of just an outright lie about a fact. You say it's a quarter pound and you give an eighth of a pound. You can't do that. Uh, but but we're in a world where the the picture is is showing something sort of factual, the size of the burger, and then you get the actual burger. It doesn't look at all like the picture. That's why we're seeing these cases come out in different ways in different courts at different times here. So, I mean, I can go create a burger patty and fill it full of a quarter pound of an eighth of a pound of water, freeze it and say it's a quarter pounder burger. So we, we all get that there's sneaky pool filler and all yep. those things that go into that. But the photographs, so A&W up here in Canada, I yeah. bought a breakfast. I like their breakfast sandwiches. I mean, A&W is ridiculously expensive, but it's good, which actually takes me back to your point um, where I just wish they focused on making good burgers versus how are they going to measure it properly and, and sell it as opposed to just make a good burger, it'll sell itself, right? Yep. But my breakfast sandwich, the sausage patty was as big as the bun in the photo, right? There's the bun, yeah, yeah. there's the sausage patty, there's the egg and everything else. When I got it, sausage patty was about as big as a coin. Yeah. Wasn't about as big as that. And how do they get away with that? Because that is 100% misleading. So it's the standard. It's you're. I mean, you're exactly right. It, it definitely feels wrong. You definitely should should tell them you didn't give me the right thing. The standard for for legal liability for false advertising in the United States it's a little different from from state to state. But but the basic standard is that a number one that a consumer would have thought this was something factual, not just an opinion. So you can say my burger is the greatest in the world, and that's just opinion. And number two, that a reasonable consumer would have 
uh, would have been misled by the advertisement to think it was something factual that it wasn't. So really the question is, when you look at that picture and you see that the patty is a lot smaller than the bun, um, are you, uh, would a reasonable consumer think that, 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 that what they got was, that what they were going to get for sure was a, a patty bigger than the bigger than the bun, or would a reasonable consumer think, you know, my patty might be bigger, it might be smaller? That that's the standard. I mean, it's a weird standard, but that that's the standard. We're trying to put ourselves in the in the heads of what would somebody sort of looking at this reasonably look at? And, and you know, one court in, the, in in Florida has said a reasonable consumer in the Burger King case would have believed that the the bun is bigger, so that case goes. Excuse me, that the that the meat is bigger, so that case goes forward. And in the McDonald's case, a judge in New York said the exact opposite. Said no, no reasonable consumer would think that this was that they were getting that they were actually getting um, a burger that was uh, that was bigger than the, the that was as big as shown in the picture. So it's it's a it's a tricky question. I don't think it's that tricky, Lewis. <laughs> I, like I don't. I like that from the legal perspective. I mean, per, I don't think it's that 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 difficult to say that this does not represent that and not exactly as shown um to me as a as a disclaimer in itself seems incredibly flawed because i mean i could put three burger patties on there call it the quadruple and say it's not exactly as shown and get away with it no i I hear you i mean i I do think it's it it is a I, i see it as a i'm a i'm not super sympathetic to the fast food companies but i'm a little more sympathetic because what they're they're trying to do is is take something and, and make put it in a in a photograph or a video, and, and look if you know if you take a picture or a video of your food, it very often doesn't look nearly. Oh, as it's good the hardest food. thing to photograph. Yeah. It truly is. Yeah. The what they're trying to do is they're just trying to make it look appetizing. And exactly. It's, if you could like, you want to make a million dollars in this world, learn how to take photos of food. You will work for the rest <laughs> of your life because it's hard. Well, you know, a, a lot. So it's it's been a law, a well known. I don't know if it's an open secret or just a, a public fact. That when a lot of these companies, when they do the photos, they're not using the actual food at all. So, for example, they'll take uh, in a cereal commercial instead of pouring milk into the cereal because milk is actually kind of runny. It doesn't look that good when it hits the cereal. They'll pour glue, right? And they'll film pouring glue into the cereal to make it look really cool. And then in, in, with the burgers, you all, if burgers that have sesame seeds on the buns, most of the places that are photographing those burgers will individually place every sesame seed, right? Glue it yeah. down so it's yeah. just right. And they'll spray the lettuce with some water. So I, and so the question is, is that is should that not be allowed? I, I don't know. I think it, it's been happening long enough and people sort of know that it happens long enough. They don't expect it to look exactly the same. But, and then that's that's why you get these these ambiguities when the when the meat doesn't seem as big as what's in the picture. Now, I don't want to defend them. I I don't I don't think it's right to do. You should you know you should represent accurately what you're what you're showing here. But I think that's what they thought they were doing. They thought they were doing something more like gluing on the sesame seeds than actually lying about what their product was. Yeah. Okay. So change the topic. We you and I go into the grocery store, the produce aisle. They light that a very certain way in the grocery sure. store, right? They often have the spray nozzles on the lettuce and all those sort of veggies that they keep them wet so they're shiny, they look fresh. Is that misleading? I don't find that that's misleading. That is just lighting it up yeah. and, and selling your product. Is that any different than a car uh, dealership taking a car and putting it in the showroom under lights and shining it up and leaving it there and whatever? But, yeah. right, I think that's a good comparisons. I think that that part's I okay. 
I think that part works. But again, when you put that car in the showroom and then you deliver it with wheels that are smaller, mm, that's Maybe not. Yeah, you've got it exactly right. And this is, you know, this is why I love, honestly, I, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those lawyers that really loves its job. I, I love these kinds of cases because those the ultimate question there is, would a reasonable person think that this is fair or not? Would they be misled or not? And and that's it's ultimately in in that's an ultimately a jury question in the United States. So you know, at some point, if this case goes all the way forward, if the Burger King case goes all the way forward, a, a jury in Florida, twelve people will decide was it reasonable or not to put this picture up here and and get a burger that had meat that was smaller than the bun when the picture showed it was it was bigger. And the McDonald's case was dismissed out out by the judge. The judge said no reasonable jury could ever uh, see that this is a problem the Burger King case is going to keep on going. And ultimately, it's a jury question. So you have lawyers presenting exactly those kinds of analogies, the grocery store, the cars, everything else. Okay, well, tell me, Lewis, then if you think that I'm I'm off then in this perspective, because I think the perspective I carry as an individual is similar to many, that you spoke about pouring milk, for example. Um, they're not selling milk, one could argue, right? Yeah. They're selling cereal. But cereal, if you're going to talk about someone's perception of the product, is largely connected in most cases to be consumed with milk. Yep. So somebody could actually argue and say that they are selling milk, in fact. And when they're going to talk about the experience of it all and they're not even using milk, then that to me is becomes misleading. We have a rule in radio and communications, and maybe this is something you guys do with lawyers too, is when in doubt, leave it out. Yeah. Because nobody <laughs> no, will ever ask if you if they don't know. So why are you trying to if somebody says, Oh, that milk looks amazing, what kind of milk is that? Then I still think they have to answer truthfully and say, Oh, by the way, that's not milk. Right? No, like, I think that's right. I think that's right. And I think that the 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 food companies would say, if you actually look at, you know, what we say, we say a quarter pound of uncooked meat or, or anything like that. And I, I think you're right that if the if the ad agency was interviewed, what'd you use in this video? They'd say it was milk. Uh, but, and, and, I, and I also agree with you that generally speaking, we should be presenting stuff truthfully, right? That that's like, there are facts, there is truth. You should be telling the truth. I think that the advertising business has had, and, and the law has recognized this idea of puffery, uh, right? This idea that you're allowed to sort of gloss up your thing and make it look really good and show it in the best possible light, your car in the showroom, right? You're, you know, you put, you, you get the, the, the fanciest possible background for your, you know, beautiful perfume bottle, those kinds of things. And, and that's, it's been done for so long and it's been sort of part of the advertising culture for so long that, uh, you know, the reasonable people understand that that you're not necessarily getting something quite as perfect as as is shown in the ad, and, and I think that's 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 the that's the issue. But the 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 devil's in the details, right? Where is the line? Is, is it? It's definitely not okay to say you're getting a quarter pound of beef when in fact you're getting an eighth of a pound. Uh, but and it's definitely okay to say this is the best burger in the world. Where, where in the middle are you allowed, can you draw the line? And that's what these cases are, are trying to test. Now, I'm, I'm a bit of a hypocrite in this, Lewis, because I mean, in radio, I did music radio for a very long time. We marketed and sold all the time, every day, wash, rinse, repeat. That's, that's what you do, uh, advertisers. And so I've also spent a lot of time with that. And I agree with you, but for the, in the spirit of, you know, this conversation, <laughs> those two examples that you, that you say, you know, the bottle of perfume or washing up your car, versus the burger. In both of those examples, 
the bottle of perfume still gets delivered as the bottle of perfume. If you took a bottle of perfume, you put it on my bathroom counter and took a photo of it and tried to put that in a magazine, that's not very nice, right? right? It's not going to sell. No, it's not going to sell. If you took a picture of my, you know, my BMW outside right now that's dirty and grungy and, and not nice sitting in my driveway that's got garbage bins behind it, not going to sell. Right. But I still get the same car and I still get the same bottle of perfume. And what these advertisers are doing is they're changing the car. They're changing the perfume. They're changing the burger from what we're getting. And that's the problem that I have with it is that have the, have the marketers run amok with going way too far and just trying to hope nobody notices that this is happening. And clearly people are now noticing, you know, yeah. Al, even Alatuna yeah, with Subway. I, I completely agree with you. And I, and I think that that's, it's, it's where these lines are is what makes it hard. And I, and that's why I think, I, I think the, the beef cases are interesting. There's this whole sort of parallel of other ones like the, you know, does, does the uh, does the drink actually that says pineapple drink actually include pineapple or is pineapple flavor enough? Because people care about what they're what they're putting into their bodies. I mean, but then there's then there's also I think extreme cases on the other end. But you know, Red Bull in 2014 paid more than 13 million dollars to settle a class action lawsuit by buyers who complained that their advertisement said Red Bull gives you wings. And they did not actually sprout wings. Now look, that's <laughs> crazy, right? That's crazy. It, that, it seems crazy, but the, but the problem is they had made a statement, right? There was this allegation that people believed it, whether you believe them or not, and they were going to have to go through this trial and millions of dollars of of, uh, of legal fees to fight this. So they they settled it out and they they changed their slogan. So now it says Red Bull gives you wings, but wings is spelled with like four I's, W-I-I-I-N-G-S. So it's, you know, that's somewhere in, in the middle there. Uh, I, there's definitely, you can definitely go go too far. I, but I also think there ought to be some room for some creativity in advertising. Well, that's I, playful. I think the second solution is playful. And and yeah. there are, crooks will be crooks too. They're going to capitalize any time sure. that, that someone says Red Bull gives you wings. Well, wait a second. It didn't give me rings, wings, or make me a millionaire or whatever else the, you yeah. know, the, or get me the girl. I mean, Axe Body Spray was another one that they went through uh -huh. some, some other things too about saying, well, I wore your product and I didn't get a date, right? So you know, there yeah. was all kinds of accusations that are out there. Is there anybody that comes to mind, Lewis, though, that you see in this or that 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 goes through it properly? Um, any court cases that you've seen where maybe allegations have been there and some real good corrections have happened? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I think I think the history of this. So first off, don't forget that we're mostly talking about class actions, which is a, a quintessential you know a tool of the of the U.S. legal system. Right. N nobody uh, is when, when a person buys a burger. Uh, they're, the harm that they possibly suffered by getting a burger that wasn't as good as they expected is at most like the cost of the burger. And nobody's going to bring a federal lawsuit mm -hmm. for you know, a $5, $10 burger. And so class actions let you aggregate all those things. And they, and they come with some downsides. Uh, but the huge upside of a class action is a very small product defect can be brought, the attention to it can be brought in these class action lawsuits, and then there can be real change. The things that I think of that are the most significant there are really the, the safety class action things in the in the 70s and 80s in the auto industry. I mean, we definitely have safer cars now because people stood up and both spoke about it and sued mm -hmm. the, you know, the manufacturers of various parts, and they did it in these broad class actions. And, and as a result, we have better products. And I think that there's some room for that in the 
in the in the food food world as well. It is not good if if I'm allergic. Actually, I am. I'm allergic to watermelon. I've got this weird watermelon allergy. That's it's strange. actually kind of important. I know it is strange. It's one of these things that came on when in my 30s and was sort of so sad. <laughs> I really like watermelon, uh, but I can't do it. My lips puff up. It's gross. I, it's bad. So I, I watch out for that. And and so it does matter if somebody's advertising like a, a you know a pineapple drink, but it's actually made with watermelon juice. That's bad for me and and a, and a real problem. So we want to make sure that and there's room for class action to fix those kinds of things, legal remedies to fix those. We want to make sure that people are being accurate about that stuff. But we also want to leave freedom for for creative advertising, like Red Bull gives you wings. And it's it, it's it's drawing the line in the middle. I, I I continue to, I think drawing the line in the middle is is one of those things that has to be worked out pretty much case by case and, and piece by piece. And, and that's what the legal system is supposed to do um, and judges and juries are supposed to do. Well, we have seen it benefit a lot with chemicals uh, and you know the various things with uh, over the years with different chemicals and outcomes of chemicals, pharmaceuticals and everything else, where the resource of the consumer is not as big as the juggernaut of the company. So, I mean, there, there is some good to that. Of course, people always try to take advantage and that becomes problematic and, and all those things. And I, I don't know, I just... It, the thing that gets me in this Lewis is that I went there because I was already a fan, right? Like, I don't know how many, I don't know how many marketing people think they're actually liberating consumers in today's world with that picture of the burger. They're like, you know what? I've been a Burger King fan my whole life now because of that photo, I only go to Wendy's, right? Like that's the part that I don't get. And that's where I feel like they've lost their way is that you're not, I mean, you might convince them to come in, but you've got to be able to deliver the product so they come back. And so yeah. that's where I feel like the 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 marketing side of it, the vanity side of it, loot gets lost in here. And I think as a business person and a fan of business and what capitalism brings us for growth as a society, I think that I find that sad. Makes me feel sad. I do too. I do too. And and it, it it's a shame. You want you want to have it you want to have a product that's good enough so you can honestly advertise it and people want it and they want to come back. Um and 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 you're right. I mean it is another good solution to these kind of false advertising scenarios is customers stop coming back. And, and that'll happen eventually. If, if you're advertising something that looks, that looks phenomenal in your picture and the thing you deliver is a piece of junk, people are going to stop coming back. Lawsuits, are just, I think are just another tool to try to discourage that kind of false advertising. I'd be curious to know how many Subway uh, sandwiches get sold that are tuna right now after that whole thing. So, right. Uh, yeah. right? So um, this is amazing. Thank you for nerding out with me. I appreciate Anytime. it. Louis Tompros is a lawyer. He's in Boston and uh, he teaches it. He practices it. And this is, this is really cool. I like the perspective. Thanks, man. Thanks so much. This is the shift podcast. Let's set the tone with some of the uh, Wild West marketing of some food. Here's a classic for you. It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Where's the beef? Some hamburger places give you a lot less beef on a lot of bun. Where's the beef? At Wendy's, we serve a hamburger we modestly call a single. One of the best commercials of all time that has stuck around. Where's the bacon? Did not stick around. Where's the beef? Everybody knows that. I love it. So good. But that's how I felt. I went to a and I went and got a, uh, 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 the breakfast sausage bacon or the bucket sausage and egg thing that they have. And I like it because you can get it with a sesame seed bun there. But the sausage was not a lot bigger than a toonie, I swear. I am exaggerating slightly, but you get my point. 
in the picture, the sausage is as big as the bun. That's disappointing. I found it disappointing. It, it was more, where's the sausage? Is what I went through. Um, but, all right. Now, that's the Wendy's. Where's the beef? Don't forget, McDonald's had a similar jingle in the 60s. Seven great ingredients working together to make one great taste. Two all-beef patties, special sauce, cheese, lettuce, pickles, onions, and a sesame seed bun. Get the idea? Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, and a sesame seed bun. It's your McDonald's Big Mac. You've got to taste it to believe it, you know what I mean? Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, and a sesame seed bun. Two all-beef patties... Let me say a few words about McDonald's Big Mac. It's a, it's it's two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, and a sesame seed bun. Very good. I like that. Um, many people can quote that. I I don't know that. I realize you quote that. Um, what is your go-to secret food? Okay. Uh, so four baconators a day would fulfill my needs. Yes, I have high metabolism, Trucker Dan. Trucker Dan's pretty thin. Wouldn't surprise me if you're one of those people, brother, that could eat four of those a day. Although I do like the Baconator, got to tell you. Um, I always get it without the special sauces. That's another thing I do. Calories in fast food, Vern says. You get so little for your money, there's no room for them. I have more calories in a single fart than a double quarter pounder has. Uh, not accurate, just to be clear. Uh, they have plenty of calories in some cases, a lot more than you're supposed to get. Um Uh, sorry, it's hard to sort through some of the ones where you guys are joking and it's just completely not appropriate. Mine orders quarter pounder McDonald's. I get them to add McChicken sauce on it. They do it for free. Trucker Kevin. Ooh, McChicken sauce. Speaking of chicken, John's in Winnipeg. Hi, John. Hey, uh, great, great show. Uh, you might, might, might used to be fish and chips, but it became all you can eat batter instead of fish. There's no fish. It was all batter. So I yeah. had to change to teach a chicken uh, wings and uh, all you can eat chicken wings is a little better you, it's got a lot of bones there so i'm yeah. just sticking with nuggets no chicken nuggets is my favorite no bones and all you know that's where uh, everybody should head to just something that's simple to eat not you got too, the favorite uh, dip there john with your chicken nuggets what is it just honey mustard is the right, best. there you go yeah like thanks it. keep up the, uh, keep up the good work and have a thanks, great john. halloween too. yeah Thank thanks you. brother appreciate that john's in uh, winnipeg right there chicken nuggets is a go-to I do like the McDonald's chicken nuggets, I got to tell you. The Wendy's uh, chicken strips or whatever they are, it's like, I think it's $33 and you get like three of them and they're big as your pinky finger. Again, I'm exaggerating, but I think you get my point. Um, holy moly here. I need help sorting through these. Uh, French toast sticks, amazing at Wendy's. I always tell them not to include the syrup. Totally not necessary. Gross. Uh, I don't know if I go do that. Like, that. that's cool. I There was someone at the, the A&W was... Um, they do the good breakfast. I know people go there for their breakfast. Um, look up the McPickle. I feel like that's inappropriate. I feel like I probably shouldn't have read that one. I think that one's for Ryan. It's a um, it's a thing. It's a Big Mac, it? but instead of patties, it's just pickles. Really? Yes. Would you ever try it? How much does it cost? No. Me? No, I would never. I don't know. It would Sneakers? probably cost you more. Scooter. What? Sweater. And if I bought you a sweater, would you try it? No. I would never try that. I would, I would, it would, it would traumatize me. And I like pickles, just not those pickles. They're not pickles. It's just a sour, sweet faux cucumber. It's not Mm -hmm. good. Uh, Yeah, that's amazing. Okay. Um, I like this text. This is direct. This is cool. Super size today means normal size. Isn't that the truth? 
although the uh the um like the drinks the soda pop yeah that's pretty huge uh fast food chains state the disclaimer uh, meat is a quarter pound before cooking yeah, they have to do that one if they're going to call it a quarter pounder, right? They've got to give a reference to that one. But I, I'm okay with that, I, even though they can fill it full of water. But I think your sausage is a subject of shrinkflation. How dare you? <laughs> um, it's pretty good. Very funny. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, uh, my sausage breakfast sandwich. Important to expand that statement. Um. Yeah, I can. That's too long. Yep, I'm gonna have to wait for that one and sort through that one out. Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Um, let's go to do 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 do. Uh, the whopper. I've lost my way. I've lost my way. Oh, the Big Mac had two previous names. Uh, the first Big Mac cost 45 cents in 1968. That's what those note from that. Um, two previous names. One was failed in the marketplace, the aristocrat, and then the blue ribbon burger. Seriously? I didn't know. Yeah, that, that was what it was originally called was the aristocrat and the blue ribbon. It's Brian's just the, bizarre. Uh, trivia guy here. Uh, it was yeah. created by Esther Glickstein, Rose, 21 year old advertising secretary who worked at McDonald's corporate headquarters in Illinois. Now, compare that old jingle that we had, by the way, the uh, two sausage, lettuce, cheese, on a sesame seed, one, to the modern one. This one came out 10 months ago, and Ryan still sings it. Whopper, 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 Junior Double, Triple Whopper, Flame Grill Taste with Perfect Toppers, I rule this day. Lettuce, mayo, pickle, ketchup, it's okay if I don't want that impossible or bacon Whopper, any Whopper my way. Season the day and BK. Have it your way. Which one's better? Oh, Whopper, 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 Junior Double Bacon Whopper. Flame grilled taste with perfect toppers. I rule this day. It's completely engraved wow. in my brain. How do you go to sleep at night? Came out. I don't. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, fun fact for you, too, by the way the Whopper is 11 years older than the Big Mac. Did not know that. Yeah, I was surprised mm-hmm. to see that, actually. Uh, Tech says, I have to laugh at how many people don't understand how to use the touchscreen pop machines at Wendy's. <laughs> oh, Random? yeah, the remix we'll machines. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are yeah, fun. they're weird. Like those. All right. I'll take a McDonald's cheeseburger with extra pickles or a Wendy's junior bacon cheeseburger. Actually says JBC, but the fact that I know it's a junior bacon cheeseburger. That used to be my secret, by the way, was the just order tons of junior mm-hmm. bacon cheeseburgers. I'd have like five of them. It was good, but now the, the bacon's bad. Uh, Cass is in Brantford. Hey, Cass. Hi, how are you? Good. What's your secret? What's the uh, what's the special order, special sauce? So, okay, so this I got from my mom. So um, you get the nuggets from Wendy's, and it has to be the ones from Wendy's, and you get the hot sauce for the chili, and then you dunk it in the cheese sauce. Cheese sauce from Wendy's as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really? just a whole trifecta. It gets spicy and cheesy, and you still get a little bit of the crispiness. It's just, it hits the spot. See, now, I'm conflicted here, Cass, because part of me wants to say you're really weird, but a bigger part of me <laughs> thinks this really thinks this is awesome. Like, I want to try that. You, have, you can't knock it till you try it. Honestly, everyone okay. thinks it's weird. I, I thought my mom was nuts for it, too, but... 
It was well, one of those things that she learned when she worked there. I had a um, I had a, a girl I dated in way back in college, like 25, 20, 30 years ago. And uh, that's where I got my quarter pounder with cheese, only cheese, only pickles. Was she used to get a McChicken with only cheese and pickles on it. And that's when I fell in love with it. So, I mean, it is these strange things that your mom's weird. You're cool. How about that? Now I feel better. I'm Now I'm in balance. <laughs> All right. That's good. I'll, I'll settle for that. Thanks so much for taking All right, my cool. call. <laughs> Thanks, Cass, for calling in. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you, are you? Are you? Okay. 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 Are you okay with? Mmm, food. 877-399-9898. What are we doing on uh, Game Show each tomorrow night, Ryan? We have uh, some ideas there. Did you, uh, it's around this time, tomorrow, we'll just be wrapping no, up Game Show. So. That's tomorrow. Oh, it's two days away. Yeah, that's because we had two long weekends in a row. Kind of right. fried the brain. Uh, game show coming up. This well, we might as well just do it on on, on food. Yeah, we <laughs> should. Eh? It, it seems food. like it's a very yeah, foodie week this it, week. It is. And yeah. we can find out some other bizarre names for burgers or, yeah. uh, you know, the most obscure fast food facts. I'm going to find them. I love my facts. love my trivia. Game show is a game show for the radio, and it's all about trivia, and we play for points that don't matter. And pumpkin spice lattes are not food. Are you okay with... Drive-throughs, um, only at very specific times of day, and yeah. by di- times of day, I mean two o'clock in the morning, coming home from a bar or a club, and waiting way too long in line for the food to get there. But you're like with your friends, you're all having a good time, you're having a few laughs. That, that's when the drive-through is peak. Any other time, I'm just going in. I'm just going in and ordering. Mm-hmm. No. I thought maybe you were going to say that you really like them when you're driving. Right, uh-huh. drive. uh-huh. uh, okay. I drive. Th- I have a problem with drive-throughs. I sound like I have a problem with everything to do with fast food. <laughs> I really don't. I use drive-throughs often. I think that the people who are amazing at their jobs in a drive-through are very special people. Cause you can go, there's a drive-through here in Airdrie that you go to the McDonald's and the lady, she's been there forever and is like the kindest, friendliest thing and now with the app when you give them the code and they know your name she'll be like shane how are you like just she's the coolest customer service hospitality person ever but the drive-through is a notion like in europe it's not really a thing not like it is here and i just feel like we don't hang out anymore (laughs) you know the hangout time with my kids is in the drive-through um, on the way somewhere. Although that being said, is there anything more special than going in the drive-through as you kick off your early morning long road trip drive day? It's amazing. So, I guess I'm waffling. Ooh, waffles in a drive-through. The only place where you can order your food and play a playful prank at the same time is a drive-through. Like this guy who ordered some Taco Bell with a perfect Elmo impression. I want a chalupa with no lettuce or tomato. You need a chalupa? <laughs> No lettuce or tomato. Number nine minus sour cream. And I need a number nine again with no sour cream. cream. And that will conclude Elmo's order. (laughs) 
lemonade. Elmo needs the lemonade. Lemonade? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That's the best part is playing the, the, you know, you put on a funny voice, do an impression on the drive-thru and hope that the person that's answering, it lifts their day up and, you know, just don't be mean about it. That's a good magical drive-thru moment. Does it get old for the drive-thru host? Yeah. Nah. Depending Not on with the it voice. Elmo, clearly. Yeah. Uh, pranks are fun, but the drive-thru may be going the way of the dodo. Or should Ryan say the dodo? Ryan O'Donnell making a joke <laughs> using spelling. That's amazing. Look how Dull. far you've come. Yeah, look Ryan, at that, uh, eh? Ryan's notorious. If you're just joining us here on the shift, Ryan is absolutely notorious for having this one particular habit where he spells things uh, creatively. In my own special way. Mm-hmm. That's a typo. We'll just throw that in there because there was one earlier that I glossed over. An annual study by InTouch Insight shows that fast food drive through lanes are speeding up as fewer customers choose to order their meals and milkshakes sitting in the car, according to... Oh, well, there it is. There's one. <laughs> uh, there's a no typo. A type no. A note. The average time spent, total time in a drive through shrank 29 seconds this year. Wait times to order were 30, uh, 25 seconds shorter. And the average number of cars in the lane to place orders fell from 2.76 to 1.27. That's a big drop. Many diners have now shifted to ordering online and using self-order kiosks inside the restaurants. Taco Bell, KFC, and Carl's Jr. had the fastest overall times for the drive through lanes. But Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, and Wendy's bested all three chains with their longer average total times were divided by the number of cars in line. That was just going to say, like, some of these places are getting better times because their food's terrible. There's just more cars than the McDonald's. Like, there's this one McDonald's in Calgary, Crowfoot McDonald's. There is never less than 15 cars waiting to mm. in that drive through Always full. Always. Yeah. Uh, Tim's up there, too, as bananas. And the Tim Hortons beside it is also equally as bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's interesting. But do you order mm-hmm. on the app and then go inside for pickup? I think you can only do uh, that if you have a friend. Yeah, not really. No. I, I, there's, I think there's another reason is... <laughs> millennials, like, we will just... We don't want to pay for each other's meals. And we don't want to ask somebody to split it. So we'll just park and go in so we can order our own meal, not have to worry about e-transferring somebody, the money or anything like that. Just this is my food. Go in, get it, get out. And I don't know, the experience of the drive through was so slow for so long that I think subconsciously, I'm not sure if there's any truth to this. It feels faster just going in and picking it up sometimes. I don't think it is. I always try to pick that weird car in the drive through be like okay it's the blue truck with the yellow topper on it and then come out and see if it's Mm, still in the line do that yeah and then it's never there so i don't know if he drove over the curb and drove away or not but i they're never Mm. still in line i don't think it's any faster at all although i did go in when i was in uh quebec and went in and melanie wasn't with me and i walked in and i realized very quickly as i opened up the screen the touch screen i was like oh right french and (laughs) we had to navigate the uh, the touchscreen en français, and that was a challenge. Didn't know how to say only pickles in French, just to be clear. Something I need to learn. Are you okay with dress codes? Um, It depends. Like, I don't know. Uh, I understand professionalism, absolutely. I think, you know, where you work, like, you know, having... 
uh, I've, I've dress code like business casual. And then, you know, you have the casual Fridays or something like that. And then in schools, like especially like elementary schools, for sure. In high school, I don't know. Like it was my high school uh, uh, dress code was so bizarre. I'll never forget my one friend. She wore it wasn't a tube top like just a very small amount of her belly was showing mm-hmm. beside her sat my friend Brett who was wearing a heavy metal shirt with the most vile and disgusting image on it. And my friend, the woman with the exposed belly, she was the one who was sent home to change that day. Not my buddy with the incredibly inappropriate drawing on the shirt. And that's where I find like the dress codes, especially in schools can be like pretty flawed. Mm. I'm absolutely okay with dress codes, mm-hmm. but I'm a parent and yeah. that changes things. I think when you, um, when you're a parent, I think that dress codes, I think that, um, uniforms are fantastic in schools. Oh, I think uniforms are awful. I think they're terrible. I think the fact that taking away somebody's ability to express themselves. Yeah, they're going to school. They, they don't need to express themselves. They, um, they have all their free time and their weekends to express themselves. It, what it creates is unity. Um, when you have a hockey team or whatever sports team, um, their uniforms are always the same. And I think that there is something that graduates into the school in unity that is a really bonding piece inside schools. So yeah, with dress codes, I'm all for it. I think that there needs to be a boundary and I think that they need to, they need to be there. And I think that people need to learn, um, the right time and right place to dress. I think it's a good lesson for being an employee and a good lesson for having a job down the road. And I think that when you take the, my opinion is when you take the you take the uniforms of schools and you allow them to do that, you can still express yourself inside that uniform. And I think that's a really great way to set people up for the unity of school. Now, um, I don't think it takes away anybody's identity. I think their identity is more the way they dress. And I think that we see that in today's world more than ever, that so many people's identity is built on how they look to others as opposed to who they are. And I think that's a very valuable piece. Uh, okay, Arizona uh, father was very upset with his uh, daughter's uh, school's new dress code. So he decided to protest in a very logical and normal way. He stripped down to booty shorts and a crop top during a school board meeting. Under the proposed policy, this would be appropriate in a classroom. It's the show and tell seen at the Higley Unified School District meeting in Gilbert last month. Ira Latham stripping down to a crop top and short shorts before telling the district board that its proposed dress policy is lax. As a dad with that's very concerned about my children as well as everyone else's kids in the district, I, I wanted to make a clear argument. The former policy, which hadn't been updated for two decades, wouldn't allow for a student to expose their chest, abdomen, or midriff. The upgraded version only restricts students from exposing their undergarments. Before they had some guidance, but now they have no guidance. It's just basically kids cover your underwear. The board later voting three to two for the updated policy. Tiffany Schultz, the board president, voted for the change and sent Arizona's family a statement saying it's the parents' and family's choice, and as long as it doesn't disrupt the school day, it would be a non-issue. She goes on to say she wants teachers to teach and not waste time measuring a girl's clothing and making them uncomfortable. I do believe it's a parenting issue, Ryan, to your point. I think it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a parenting thing that parents should be all over. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. And uh, 
But I, I don't, I don't, I don't see like I've seen those videos online where dads will do that to their daughters. They'll be like, "Make you a deal. You can wear that to mall, and I can wear this to the mall." And then they'll go put on like booty shorts with their bum cheeks hanging out and a tube top, and they'll be like, I'm, "I'll drive you." And then the daughters are like, "Dad, no!" And then they don't take them. I mean, I I think that's good dad right there. I would have to say. Now, okay, so you're not into you're not into the dress codes and all the things, and you say it's out of balance. What do you think of that? Well, I think the objectively the video is hilarious. I'm not taking anything yes, away well from done. that. I would say it's probably pretty embarrassing. I'm not like we don't know if his daughter dresses like that in the school. I feel like it might be like a bit a bit much. As for the actual policy, yeah, I mean, especially in the states where this whole idea of like parents' choice is like defining every aspect of their of conversations about education. If you're gonna apply that to one thing, you're gonna apply it to the dress code. So that's kind of I see the logic in that, but. I would agree that if you're going to make a dress code to say, uh, like clearly the outfit that he wore, if a student wore that to high school, that would be inappropriate. And not having any guidelines on like setting that, I do think is is lacking. I'm glad like the, I think schools should have some dress codes for sure. It's just you lose me at the uniforms. I would say is is where mm-hmm. I I get lost usually. Yeah. The it is interesting though. Um, mm-hmm. It is interesting that the conversation, even today, is still a conversation that's happening. Yeah. But at the same time, the cover up your underwear thing, you know, guys not wearing, you know, pants above their butt. And- oh, it was such a bad, when I was in high school, the, the just the saggy pants were so bad. Like all the cool kids that hung out in the smoke pit, they all like did their belts up around their thighs and just let their yeah. underwear hang out. It was so bad. Oh, don't yeah, it's weird. That. And I, I like, I mean, I get it. I get expression, but I also think that we're talking about kids and the best thing we can do to kids is mentor them uh, for time and place. I don't say no to the clothes. You go express yourself. We are in a better place when, when people express themselves time and place though, is the responsibility of the parents to teach the children. And I think that's what matters here with this. That was Fox 12, by the way, for the report. Other parents at the meeting where Latham stripped down to his booty shorts also had concerns about the policy. One mother told board members that she feared bullying would increase, while another speaker said there needed to be a very clear, dignified, established dress code. Parents and board members who are against the change said they hope to revisit the issue. Modesty is never goes wrong. A lack of modesty can. There's like... The, if you walk into a nude beach and people give you grief for wearing a T-shirt, it's probably not going to happen. Um, yeah. But if you walk into a normal beach, nude, you get handcuffed. And so I think time and place is a big part of that conversation. Very cool stuff. This is the Shift Podcast. Crazy Andy and I started growing the winter beard at the same time, and your DNA is taking over, my friend. Look at the size of that thing. It's uh, yeah, it's getting a little bit out of control. Um, I do have to thank you though. You gave me a suggestion about getting some beard oil, and that that's life changing, especially at a certain life point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when when your beard gets to a certain length, it starts to get itchy and stuff, and that beard oil uh, is really really helped. Beard wash is next, by the way. 
Oh man, you put, you're putting me down this beard rabbit hole. Hey, I have it a is. funny story. Speaking of beards, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I've been on YouTube, right? Because you know I'm like a DIY guy. So obviously I'm going to try to figure out how you can DIY trim your beard. And I found this guy on YouTube. His name is Matty Conrad. This guy has a huge beard. He's a barber and he shows you everything. Turns out, Shane, his barber shop is in downtown Vancouver in Gastown, nice. Victory Barbers. So I'm going to book an appointment to get my uh, beard trim by him or one of his barbers. But I'll tell you one thing, I won't be relaxing. I'll be taking notes, finding exactly what they do. And then maybe I can try. Like, that's the thing. Is that something you can really DIY well is a beard, beard? or do, should you just get it done by an expert? I don't know. I think it's one of those things that, um, you know, beard, beards are a fine line, right? Um, when it comes to the fellas, I think, I think beards look good on most fellas if they're groomed. Yeah. Um, when it comes to ladies' taste of the beards, they, for the most part, I, I haven't met many um, in their perspective that have shared that said they hate them if they're groomed. If they're scraggly, then some very, I find very few will say, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but when it comes to that, that's like cutting your own hair, right? Yeah. I don't think that, I think, yes, you can groom your beard and I think you do a great job with it. You got to learn how to do everything backwards, right? In the mirror, I think you can do it, but I men don't pamper, and I absolutely for the, if you can save up the money and go once in a while, go and get your face pampered, get it yeah. trimmed up, get it cleaned up, get it shaped, and it makes all the difference in the world. And you one handsome fella when you get that thing shaped up. Yeah, yeah, because I, I I've been watching videos and they 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 talk about how you should get a certain beard based upon your like the shape of your face. Yeah, but then you don't actually necessarily have to do that. So what I'm looking forward to is getting it trimmed by an expert who sees beards all day, and I'm just gonna give him like this canvas and be like, you know what, go ahead, you know, do your Vincent Van Gogh on my face and let's see see what kind of uh, beard style you come Van Gogh. up with. I I think that it's um. That's the big part is like a, a good hairdresser can can shape the shape of your head. Yeah. Right. And make it look good. And then, when you know, you know, when you go to a bad hairdresser, right, there is no question, you know, yes. real quick. Right. So, yeah, but yeah. it's good. And you got to keep it. Um, You got to get oh, that thanks. done. And uh, I've got a new one that I got to send you to. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah there's, a, one... there's a lot of accessories out there. I'm starting to realize for beer. There are a lot. Yeah. We came up with one that's um that. It's got a splash of scent. So the one that you have has like a nice strong scent that stays with it. Um, but when you do that, it's kind of like, you know, you have your hairspray, your deodorant, your cologne, your like all the different smells. So I wanted to have one that was a splash that was kind of with you for 10 or 15 minutes, but then faded away quick so you could wear uh, cologne. Yeah. And not necessarily have the cologne match the beard oil. And so we've got that now, which is cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm loving this. I'm learning a lot about beards from you. Uh, good joke from Trucker Dan says, does Andy really want to go to a barber, uh, Vincent Van Gogh, with a razor that close to his ear? <laughs> the Van Gogh no ear thing. Um, anyway, okay, here we are. Uh, what do you want to talk about, your dirty drawers, or do you want to talk about um, the other stuff first? Which way do you want to go? Well, let's, let's talk about junk drawers. I've always been fascinated by junk drawers because nobody you know, moves into a house and says, honey, I command this to be our junk drawer. It just kind of happens organically where you start to put – everything into one drawer. Now, you could tell a lot about a person by what's inside their junk junk drawer. And you know what, Shane, um, during the pandemic, you know, we're all locked at home. I told myself, you know what, finally, 
I am going to clean my junk drawer. I'm like, this is it. You know, if there was ever a time in the history of my life where I would actually get this done, it would be now. And you know what? I never did it. For some reason, I still have not done it. It's still on my to-do list. But I was looking in it. And a lot of it has to do with stuff that I just can't seem to want to throw away where I think, you know what? I might use this in the future. Like those little inserts for screws. You know, you get, you, you buy something and it comes with a pack of screws and has those little tiny inserts that you put in the wall. For some reason, I can't get rid of them. So my junk drawer is filled with them. And just like, you know, dead batteries. I can't throw these bit dead batteries away into the garbage. That's not right. Uh, you have to recycle them properly, but I never take them because they're just sitting in my junk drunk drawer. So um, I'm always fascinated when I go to people's houses. I, I'll look in there and and see that because it really does tell a little bit about yourself because this is stuff that you just don't want to throw away, stuff that you hold value to, but you seem to just kind of throw it all in this random drawer. Do you, do you have one at, at your house now? I have like three, yeah, four maybe. Oh, wow. How about you, Ryan? I've done a good job. I've got two in the laundry room. I've got to come out here. I cleaned a bunch of it out. I got rid of a bunch of stuff, and I think I did a pretty good job with that. I See, I think junk drawer is unfair. Utility drawer is much nicer. Uh, Yeah, it's a better connotation. Yeah. I don't know if I have. There are some things now that can probably go away that have been sitting around that don't need to be there. Ryan, you you moved to a new place recently. Do, Do you now have a de facto junk slash utility drawer? Yes, I have. Well, I have, yeah, definitely. There is one junk drawer, which I'm content with it being the junk drawer. That's fine. Uh, But it's, uh, I think the issue I have is that my desk drawers, which are great drawers, very quickly become junk drawers after I organize them. And, uh, you know, I just kind of get to a point where, oh, it's too dirty. I got to clean it. I'll clean it and then buys me some time. And, uh, you know, I found a McDonald's receipt from 2019 the other day in one of my... Mm. uh, Dressers. So, yeah, I'm not very I found good. My at it. ex-wife's taxes from 2001. Whoop. Wow, <laughs> beat that. Think, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, check your junk drawers. Maybe I'll actually finally clean mine. But uh, for most people, that's where the scissors in the house end up is in the junk drawer. So, uh, it, you know, and some people have organized junk drawers, so that everything's compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. You know, it's junk. But it's a nice orderly fashion. So That's it's, uh, yeah, probably. I could see mm-hmm. Jono with a nice organized junk drawer or yeah. utility drawer, as Shane would call it. Well, you know, got to be nice to the junk too, don't we? This is good. I, I, I'm curious as to what everyone's, because it's, it's like the lazy drawer, right? It's the, I have nowhere else to put it. So yeah. it goes in this drawer. drawer. Um, oh, there you go. DIY tip for you, Andy, on the text line. If you leave your alkaline batteries in your junk drawer long enough, they will leak and disintegrate everything else in your drawer. Problem solved. There you go. There There you go. go. That's that's how you clean your junk drawer. Disintegrate it. That's good. I like that one stuff too. Um, Okay. Well, I mean, so what does it say about us though in the junk drawer? What's, uh, What's going on in the background? You have some insight on that? Basically, it shows that you hold value to certain things and you can't seem to get rid of it for whatever reason. But it's really like the kind of things that you keep. Like for me, you know those little tiny watch batteries? Mm-hmm. For some reason, I have a lot of those. And if I ever need one, I know it'll be in my j- junk drawer. Even the little tiny small screwdrivers, you know, the kind that you would want to open up a watch, those those really rare types of uh, little mini, mini screwdrivers for like glasses mm-hmm. and stuff. 
I found those also in my junk drawer, but I just can't seem to keep it organized. So even just trying to like throw things away that I'm just like, oh, you know, maybe one day, one day, five years, I might need this. You know, but isn't it okay or, to have that one drawer filled with things that don't have a home? That's the whole point. It's like the misfits. It's all the things that don't fit elsewhere. I feel that at some point in your life, you need to clean that out, start anew, you know, like it's mm. like cleaning your closet, you know. Um, but for some reason, the junk drawer just keeps accumulating. And I think for a lot of people, they only clean it when you can't put anything else in it. You can try to stuff it down and close the drawer. And then at that point, you're like, okay. And you pull it out and just throw everything onto the table and slowly kind of go. I'm, I'm still really disappointed that I did not clean that during the pandemic, like stuck at home all that time. That was a perfect opportunity, Shane. But, you know, I got a lot I of think, other things done, but not that. Yeah. Well, here's what I get out of this. I really get it. This sounds like more of a psychology, emotional conversation when you say yeah. just stuff it down. It's like your junk drawer represents your feelings and your your baggage. Yes, you yes. Know? Just put it into a drawer, shut it, and turn around and don't think about Forget it. Forget about right? it. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. yeah but like, it's still a, like a real adult should. Pretend you don't have feelings. Yeah. Way better. Life is way better that way. Don't do that. That's not good. That's not healthy. All right. Handy Andy is here. Um, I dropped my dead batteries off at Save On Foods. They have a recycle box there at the exit. Eh, didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's just reminding yourself before you go out to grab all of those batteries. Like I have so many, I even have the the same battery tester, Shane, that I've had since I was eight years old. I still have it, bought it from Radio Shack. And so I'll still use that to check all the batteries and put them in different oh, piles. Funny. But yeah, that definitely on the to-do list. You had to put the little thumbs on it, like the Energizers or Duracells and you'd push the thing and then the little yeah, would go those. up and something. Yeah. That's terrible. Oh, wow. um, they don't make those anymore, do they? On the battery I batteries? don't think they worked. I really... Angel says, I have four junk drawers. Nancy in Ontario says, apron, juicer, clothes, pegs, scotch tape, screwdrivers, and of course, a beer koozie. Oh, yeah. Scotch tape. That's a that's a quintessential item inside junk drawers. I, I feel like that hasn't changed since the 70s. That list is the same list of stuff I have today, and it hasn't changed from the 70s. The only thing that's updated is my my flashlight is not a old school incandescent light it's a led yeah. something yeah yeah i used to have those old flashlights with the double d batteries remember those those big ones and then big you didn't ones. ever use it and then when you went to use it it was dead and then all dead. the batteries were hairy yeah yeah well done thanks for listening to the shift podcast make sure you subscribe rate and review the show and share with anyone you like get it on apple podcast google podcast spotify and curiouscast.ca 